Hello and welcome to the College of Lore. I'm your co-host, Anthony. I'm your co-host, Josh. Hey, Josh. So, last episode we talked about how to be a good dungeon master, game master. How about today we talk about how to be a good player? Seems like a pretty good idea. Seems logical. Makes sense. It's got two halves. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got the third half of the coin, which is the edge around it. Um, little, I think we'll have to think about something. A little too deep for me. Episode. That, that's... We can do a podcast on it later. Okay. The third edge about... of the coin. That is... Can we rebrand our podcast to be called the third edge of the coin? We have... Is it too late? Well, we have five viewers, and that's too many. <laughs> Therefore, we... <laughs> Gotta stick to the no. branding we've got. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, if I'm a good player, or if I want to be a good player, um, I think if we start logically, chronologically from the beginning, you start in a game, you've accepted uh, the mantle, so to speak, of, of playing in a, dun- a Dungeons & Dragons game or a, a tabletop role-playing game. The first thing I think about um, especially for D&D, especially for the type of games that I like to play in, is I'm going to think of my character concept and everything, and I'm going to think of a backstory for them. Yeah. How important would you say a backstory is? I would say it's fairly important, more so, honestly, for the DM than for the player. Um, it shows initiative, and it also gives the DM tools to work with to... in a chain of events make the game more fun for everyone because if you have right. a backstory it shows that you're invested in the world and in your character and then your gm has an opportunity to like play off that personally i love um coming up with a backstory like as soon as i can showing it to everyone in terms of like page length and stuff not showing them like you know the intricacies ins and outs of my character and all of uh, their secrets but just like hey look Wrote a five-page backstory for my character. Oh, so you're humble you bragging. Got going on. Yeah, no, totally. Because it increases everyone else's desire to come up with something interesting and and neat. Oh yeah, that's totally why them. you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Not to Shove wave your your D twenty around yeah. your big old D twenty. It's metal. It's heavy. <laughs> it's got sharp edges. When you roll a twenty, it screams. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah, this podcast got real weird, real fast. <laughs> it did. <laughs> but uh back on topic d d20s aside uh yeah backstory it helps like you said motivate other players um to be more invested in the world and it gives you something to latch onto because it's really hard to see something as important without an anchor point and your backstory sort of solidifies your character's motives and their desires wants personality and you might have all of that in your head but as a GM, I prefer it written because uh, typically when yeah. something is written, it becomes more real and more concrete. It's psychology. Oh, true. Yeah, I mean, the 5th edition character sheet has a spot on it for flaws, bonds, and ideals. But, I mean, that's a good place to start, I guess. And you can roll that uh, in the book. It shows how to create your character. And you can you can roll that if you want to go pure random. But then go from there and take those ideals, bonds, and flaws and kind of incorporate them into a backstory. Okay, they have a flaw. Why? How did this happen? When is it? How prominent is that flaw? Is it is it going to be something that you incorporate every time that you guys come together and play? Like, oh, there's money on the table. My character's going for it. You know, that can be a little, a little painful sometimes for your gaming group 
if uh, your flaw is too overhyped. But if your backstory kind of makes it make sense, then it's not quite so terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It also gives... Uh, it also, like, you know, when you were saying um, that it motivates other players, it also gives mm. the, them something to play off of. So like you were saying earlier, if a character is super into money and is going for it, there might be another character who's, you know, very Robin Hood-esque or uh, very noble and your personality and their personality might clash and it creates drama and drama's good. Drama is good for D&D um, for the most part. Yeah, drama makes a story interesting, but how can we take that drama and make it not annoying. There's so many times where I've been playing with someone and, and just because they really want to play up a certain aspect of their character for good roleplay, which is another thing that makes a good player, uh, that investment, that roleplay into the game, it can sometimes come off a little too much. So talk with your group, talk with your dungeon master, make sure that you're portraying the idea that you've created for your character within their backstory well enough to the rest of the group. So... You can go after the money. It becomes a huge problem. Maybe your group spends a night in jail for the for the chaos that they've caused in, in town. But after they come out of the jail, or maybe while they're in the jail cell, maybe they, they have that little talk together, and they're like, look, man, we can get money, but we got to go about it smart. And then all of a sudden, your character, your gaming group is working together to make sure everyone's happy and everyone's playing their character and everyone's portraying those different things that they want getting the things that they want out of the game, but working together at the same time and not working against each other. Yeah. In addition, I think that this sort of segues into a topic uh, where while there is drama and your character might have conflict with other characters, you should work with your GM and other players to create a character that, for the most part, plays along well in group scenarios and with the party. How would you do that? Well, the common example that people often make or the common mistake that people often make is I'm a chaotic, neutral rogue and I'm going to pickpocket my party. Um, and then when, you know, you're you're hit up from the group and saying, hey, you're being a jerk, the group typical the, the response from the rogue is typically, oh, I'm just playing my character how he would act. And it's I don't I don't know you guys. I just met you. That's what my character just did. Yeah. And it's sort of an excuse. The thing, the problem with that is, while that might be a viable, like, real answer with honesty behind it, it doesn't play along well with the group. The whole point of the game is to have fun, and your rogue can learn and change and mature, and it's not something, no one, you shouldn't create a character who is literally just a dick for no reason all the time. It is a group party game. If people start dying, you're probably going to die too. True. I've seen power creeps like that where the fight seems to be going along great. All of a sudden, one person in the party dies. Bam. It, it's flipped. You know, the tables are turned almost instantly. It'll go from an even fight to not an even fight. So if you're being a good player, you kind of want to protect the interest of the group. Yeah. And if you're creating an edgier player, someone who is like that, and you really want this to be a, a an important part of their aspect, you know, talk to your group, talk to your GM, see if this works for this particular campaign. Maybe everyone is running chaotic evil people and it's understandable. Um, though generally my advice would be to avoid counterintuitive roleplay with other party members. Like if you're going to be a pickpocket, that's fine. But steal from people who harm you or are bad or people who aren't in your party. Yeah. Typically. Because then it just ends up, it just ends up to be being this dominoes that everyone, it just brings everyone else down. And then in the end, no one's having fun because everyone's angry and 
then why are you playing this True. game? On the same token, uh, you have someone who's like lawful stupid and is going around like preventing everyone's fun. You know, if everyone at the table is, you know, a little tricksy and they want to go around and, and do whatever they, they want and cause chaos, and the one person in the game wants to play, you know, a, a paladin of... I, I would say chaotic stupid, but I think if I kind of delve into that a little bit further, is someone who doesn't understand the tenets that their character is subscribed to. Someone who's just, like, only good all the time, always. And if it's not good, it's bad. And if it's bad, I have to kill it. So... In that same aspect, you have someone who can go around and, purely for the sake of roleplay, want to smite their entire party. And that just doesn't work in a team game. Yeah. And if you're one into problems like that, you should probably have talked with your party earlier to avoid this conflict in the first place to make sure this character works. Right. You know? And even if there is problems in the, in the beginning, like let's say your character is, you know, the good guy in a group of rogues and evil cultist clerics... <laughs> um, maybe they corrupt him. You know, be open to the idea of your character eventually changing personalities because the people they hang around typically are the people that they're going to be influenced by. Sometimes when I'm writing a character, I'll have already written how I want them to go and not how they started out. Well, I'll have like a little bit about that, but it's progression. It's slow. Sometimes change is slow. Sometimes change is quick. One thing I learned about being a good player that I've done in the past is I've kept a secret from the group and I had this whole secret about why my character was like this and he wouldn't talk and he was shy which you know that's kind of hard to to play in in a game you can you can talk in and out of character with your party and and see how they're responding to your character so if I have a shy character instead of role playing the fact that he's shy and not talking at the table I'll go more into like uh scratching at his face and kind of like you see him like covering like one half of his face every time he talks and and he's like oh god there's a lot of people around you see him like he's totally not comfortable with all this that's another way that people can kind of like see how your character is in the world and bring life to your character without necessarily going against your your own role play but don't keep secrets like i had this character he was shy he kept secrets and then he died the next session so he never got to grow as a character he never got to have everyone have that big reveal that i think everyone kind of always expects there to be like a a huge reveal for their character and very cinematic sometimes that doesn't happen sometimes you die at level two in a dungeon inside of a snow globe that's true and that just kind of sucks sometimes you don't get the <laughs> satisfaction <laughs> um but in that regard the don't 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 make asshole characters um, and if you do make asshole characters, make sure the rest of your party and Game Master are okay with it. Um, yeah. Because in the end, you know, the whole point of this game is to have fun. So make, make sure, friends. yeah, so to make sure, you know, you're working together with them so that you can all have fun. Which I guess would bring us to the topic of gatekeeping in general. So what's gatekeeping? So gatekeeping is typically when there is someone who is excluded from a group uh, in regards to the knowledge or who they are as a person. Uh, gatekeeping doesn't apply just to D&D. It can apply to people who are new uh, to whatever they're about to do versus people who are experienced. Um, uh. It could be their gender, their race. It's a lot of things basically keeping you from enjoying the game because of who you are. So if I was playing in a game or I wanted to, I come up to a group of people 
and I'm like, hey, can I play in your game? And they said, no. Is that gatekeeping? Or is it more like you're in the game and then the party has a bunch of in-jokes and they're not like letting you roleplay your character. They're shutting you down every time you try to do something in combat or social situations. Is that kind of more gatekeeping? I think it could be, technically it could be both. An example that's commonly used is generally the nerdy community unfortunately has the negative stigma of uh, very you know obese, overweight people who don't take care of themselves, typically male. Um, this is a male-dominated society, unfortunately. Um, and where, you know, let's say a female wants to play. They'll okay. automatically assume that she doesn't know what she's doing, that she's just here on some sort of facade or agenda. And when she does try to have fun and role play, the more experienced players will, like you said, shut her down, mm. um, second guess her choices, ridicule her basically to the point where she's not having fun or feels incredibly uncomfortable. And this is considered gatekeeping because it's someone who wants to be in the community who is being rejected for not real reasons. Other, like they're not being a jerk. They're not being a dick. It's just the party is being a dick. Okay. So if I want to, if there's someone new and I want to like teach them the rules and stuff and like help them, I should do it in a way maybe either outside of game or I should like ask them if they want my help before I go and just assume that they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I think it's really important to offer a level of support that isn't too intrusive because they may not feel comfortable, um, but also let them know that you have their back, you know, or inform the GM because sometimes that's all they really need. You know, the GM is in a position of authority to make calls and such. So if a player, if you see a player gatekeeping, call them out. Like, hey, why are you, don't do that. Don't gatekeep. (laughs) Don't be that guy. You know, she's new to the game. He's new to the game. They're trying to learn. Trying to we want fun. people in our community. We want oh, it to God, grow. Yes. You know, why wouldn't we? The more people, the merrier. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, talking with your party in and out of game, talking with your dungeon master to make sure that, you know, if you any ever, if you ever have any problem with a character personally in a game that's making you feel uncomfortable, uh, if it happens, like, twice you know maybe it's a good time to say sorry guys i'm gonna i'm gonna take a break from this um i'll be back later and then you know don't force yourself to stay in a situation that's uncomfortable for longer than you need to um and then see if you can talk with people inside or out of game however best you determine if there's an uncomfortable situation that you're in unfortunately in this game of make relief and role play there can be topics discussed that either people aren't comfortable with or it's you know very traumatic for them so communication outside of game hey what type of game do you guys want to play hey what's going to kind of go on in this game uh just so you know i'm like looking for a high adventure fantasy setting where i get to be the hero or like i'm looking for a horror game where i'm beaten at every turn and it's scary it's got a lot of weird stuff in it or I'm looking for a sci-fi game where it has a lot of technological mumbo jumbo and and stuff like that. Like like talk with everybody, including your your game master inside and out of game, and especially if there's a situation that has made you uncomfortable. Yeah, a reoccurring pattern in those guys is obviously to communicate with your group. Yeah. Uh, communication is key. You know, if you've got something that triggers you, let the DM know so he doesn't throw it in the group, uh, throw it in the campaign, 
or you mm -hmm. know if the dm is running a really hardcore you know dark dystopian type world and you don't think you can handle you know how dark and depressing it may get then <laughs> then then bounce out you know join another group or wait um better to not have it's better to not play than not have fun absolutely yeah um there's been times where i'll say like yeah i can totally hang with this game and in reality maybe i wasn't having as much fun as i could have been having um but i think i made uh kind of the right choice when i was running in the stone plate game that you had going on josh was sticking with it because you had a lot of opportunities you had like a really good balance of yes you've described the scenario and the situation as something that's like really tough but also there were a lot of cool moments where we were able to like save some people or find out you know super interesting things that we didn't quite understand and those moments i look back on and i'm like yeah i was totally having fun i i really loved that moment and it kind of made it all worth it like the pacing perfect well thanks buddy oh yeah <laughs> Outside of communication, though, with your group, uh, it is also important to be prompt uh, when it comes to your games. Typically, I like to consider playing and GMing more like a job than a game in the fact that I am on time, and if I can't make it, I let my DM know ahead of time. Very true. Yep. Sometimes you'll be driving on your way there. Kind of hard to, to get a message across, but... In today's age of technology, you can totally just ask your phone to make a phone call while you're driving, and it'll probably do it. Yeah. So yeah, you can you can definitely make sure that you're on time and and you don't lag and prevent anyone else from having fun. Yeah, and if you can't make it to a game, um, I would say let your DM or GM know as soon as possible because it gives them a chance to sort of rewrite the session. Uh, if an encounter is too hard and you tell them the last minute, it puts more pressure on them, mm -hmm. especially when they're losing a party member for the game. Or if someone else cancels, you know, there might be too, not enough people to run the game at all. Uh, so they can mm -hmm. call it off instead of having, you know, two people show up and then they're just like, well, okay, now what? So <laughs> communicate with checkers. your DM. Yeah, communicate with your DM. You know, if you can't make it, let them know. If you're going to be late, let them know. There's no harm. It takes no time. It's common courtesy, honestly. You would do it for a friend if you weren't playing. Like, if it was a party or an event or a gathering or a lunch or dinner or second breakfast. I'm hungry. I would like to eat food. Okay. Let's take a 20-minute break and we'll be right. No. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to poorly transition that last bit uh, into talking about talking without interrupting. Like, everyone is so eager in this game of role-playing to communicate and talk and, and say something but you should be equally as want to listen improv is actually more listening than it is talking i found out i strongly agree with that uh there is sort of a silver lining especially because while people are prone to not listening as much typically you also don't want to just sit there and be drowned out uh, for the pacing. So typically what I will do when role-playing is I'll try and give someone who's talking a couple seconds of silence before I come in so I can make sure that they're done speaking or had their say or whatever they're doing. That way there's no... It's not too awkward, um, but you're also not interrupting anyone. Especially since when you're listening, it gives you more time 
to think about what they're saying instead of just like waiting for your turn it lets you listen to the world around you as opposed to just being so focused on yourself That's true. Um, that's something I'm working on in, in real life and in game, so I've had that opportunity. But yeah, I'll always try to like include people while we're playing. Alright, it seems like we need to head west. Does anyone have any objections? Is there something we could do east? And then in, like call out players by name. Player number one, are you sure we should go west? Is there anything else we need? What are you worried about? You know, like, let me get inside your head. Yo, I actually really appreciate that as a DM. Um, that a player who includes other players in their decision-making is a player that I enjoy very much so. You know, while you are, let's say, typically paying a party leader, you don't have to just be like, we're doing this, we're doing that. You don't need to make the group decision for everyone. People will have different opinions, and they might be better than yours, so why not include them? It also pushes the party dynamic and... People who work together will enjoy each other's company more. That's just typically how it goes. So thank you for that, Tony. Oh, you're welcome, Josh. <laughs> I think the best leaders delegate, I found out. They they find the person who's the best at doing something, and they let them do it. Yeah, and that way, you know, you get to lead, or the leader gets to lead, so they feel good, and then the guy who's doing the job feels good about doing his job. because everyone... the party feels good because they don't get lost in the forest for a million years. That's true. <laughs> you know, the party wouldn't get lost if they bought a map. Or asked for a map. Or just, Maps you know, brought anything. Time period? Yeah. Oh, actually. Wow. <laughs> Maps do exist in the medieval fantasy high magic age of time. Wild. <laughs> that That is wild. Um, I guess I should have respected the world and the time a little better. Maybe. Or, you know, the fact that the GM did mention that you don't have a map like six times. <laughs> But in regards to listening, um, it also helps in combat as well. A good player will listen and plan out their move before it's their turn. Oh, true. Yeah, it's actually really annoying as a DM to get through a round of combat, and then it's your turn, and then they're like, all right, it's player yours, it's player Tony's turn, and Tony's like, what? Uh-huh. And you're just like, did you just miss all everything? Right. so what happened? And then, and then you have Wait, to repeat everything. Why has everyone everything. moved around? Yeah, and that's really annoying. So when it's not your turn, you should be listening and planning your next attack. So when it does become your turn, you know what you're doing. You know what the spell that you're doing is going to be. It doesn't interrupt the pacing of the game, especially since combat is supposed to be fast because it's real-life combat, like six seconds of time. Uh, Your DM will love you if you are ready and are paying attention when it's not your turn. There was this one fight that I had uh, when Juan was running the game. And I was a wizard, and I had, like, six combat steps planned out with all my spells and everything that I was going to do and who I was going to buff and where they probably were going to be and, like, how the the setting and the geography might have changed over time if there was, like, going to be, like, an earthquake or something because it was, like, this catastrophic level event that was happening. I had six to seven combat steps planned out. And then yeah, I'm like, all sick. right, if we don't kill him in seven combat steps, I'm dead because... <laughs> Because I'm out of spells, and I'm a wizard. Uh, wizard life. It's things like that that make the DM happy. So pay attention. Don't be on yeah. your phone unless you're looking up a spell. Think about what you're going to do next, because it is actually my personal pet peeve when I get to you and you're like, what? <laughs> because I actually, players who play with me frequently know that I will not repeat what happened. Because it bothers me that much. And Dang. 
for you to not pay attention outside a game is this that's is your fault. Story. I worked on it for so long. Exactly. So pay attention. I charged the wizard what, directly into the flaming sphere. Uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> I actually had a uh, an encounter a long time ago that I designed where these people the were being. Story? This is the bear trap story. Yes, it's a famous story. So <laughs> I actually had a group of people. They were tracking this other party um, of NPCs, and the NPCs were intelligent. So what they would do when they camped out at night is they would put out bear traps around their perimeter. We had the party come up and. The rogue of the party actually came up and scouted the bear traps. He rolled high enough on his perception. He saw the traps. I said, there are traps here, 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 here. I put them on the grid. And over here, there's the campfire with the people. And they do not see you. He wasn't seen. He rolled a high stealth check. So he's like, okay. So they're trying to sneak up on this this party. He tells his party, the rest of the party, the bear traps are here, 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 and here. And I even did them a favor, and I marked it on the map that they had. Wow. But one of the players wasn't paying attention and during combat literally stepped into the bear trap because she wasn't paying attention to when I told her there are bear traps here. And she was like, oh, snap. The party almost died because two players had to help her get out of it during combat because the traps were actually bolted to the ground. So you actually could not move. And then when she got out of it, she stepped into another one that was marked on the map. And that was the most infuriating combat session for me and my players. And it was because one person was not paying attention. Did you roll a percentile to see if it landed on the same leg? I did not. But (laughs) it it didn't matter because they couldn't move. So it it, it was just really sad. It was really frustrating. Um, The entire combat was... No joke. Yeah. It was not meant to be a difficult encounter. But it was. They, uh, I think two of them got knocked out Jesus. because of this <laughs> scenario where one person decided that they were going to be on their phone. Hey, what's that X on the map? Nah, I'll end my turn there. Yeah, pretty much. That's literally what happened. And everyone was like screaming at her, like, what are you doing? <laughs> and yeah, and, and, in, and in game rules, I actually set it up to where, you know, when you make a move, you don't take it back. Like, that's how it is. Oh. You don't, you can't, oh, I didn't know that. No, you didn't. But it's battle and it's hectic. <laughs> And that's that's on you to, to yeah. be aware and keep track of things. So you have like chess rules to where like you take your hand off the, the pawn and then it's, it's yes. done? Yes, that's pretty much how I roll my games. But I communicate that with my players and they're okay with it in the beginning. Like that's how I always run it. Mm-hmm. Um, for newer players, typically I won't do that, but eventually I'll ease them into it. So okay, okay. I'm fair about so th- my rulings. <laughs> so that's a good way of like, that's a good way of um, when you have a, a game set up and and you want to do something that's good and you're communicating most of the time it's like majority rules like how are we going to run this type of game you know what type of setting are we going to do mostly it's majority rules sometimes you might find like a little smidge like uh, this player wants some sci-fi everyone else wants high adventure okay there's like you know you stare into a crystal ball and you see like another dimension um in space and, and like if possible you guys could take this high fantasy game to like a moon base or something and you can like you can ease certain aspects of things in there but most of the time it's majority rules but like you said you ease the new player into it and that's kind of like going back to the communication and they might not be the style necessarily for every dm but that's typically how i run it um i'm very like this is how i want to run the game and if not or if i'm feeling generous i'll have a majority rule but 
in my opinion, everything really comes down to the GM because he's writing it. If he doesn't want to do it, then it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Whether he decides to ask the opinion of the party is up to him, really. Mm -hmm. It's like asking, like, what type of movie do you want to go see? Like, I can choose to go see any type of movie I want. I can't go in the movie and say, oh, well, I really don't like the way you wrote this part of the movie. Can you rewrite it? (laughs) Yeah. Do you do that, Tony? I I do. Uh, No one listens when I'm talking into the darkness of a movie theater. It's not like you you go with anyone, right? No. I have gotten thrown out a few times. (laughs) Just a few. (laughs) Um, But that's a good segue into, you know, respecting the world. Paying attention is just as much respect as the decisions that you make as a player. So your GM puts a lot of time into the world and universe that they created or they're running. They might not necessarily mm-hmm. have made it themselves, but they're running it. And it's a lot more time typically than the player. So uh, as a good player, you should respect that. Picking up the vibe that you're putting down for the world. It's like high fantasy adventure. And I'm, I'm kind of like pretending to be in that time. I'm role playing in that time. I'm, you know, like how, how can I best respect the world? I think the way that I typically go about it is I engage with the world in a way that's realistic. There are a lot of people who just kind of want to poke everything because they think it's fun or they want to murder everything because they can Mm -hmm. murder things in this game, but they can't do it in real life. And it's fun. I mean, pretending to be chaotic, crazy is fun. You know, being a murder hobo is fun. Yeah. But then when there are consequences to the actions, they freak out. So respect the world, respect that it's supposed to be a living, breathing thing that your DM has created and the actions that you do will have consequences. So not everything you do can be 100% stupid, you know? You can murder everyone, but do it methodically in a way that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, it's not like Skyrim where you can just quick save and then go ahead and and kill everyone and then reset the world. There's no reset button in D&D. There shouldn't be. Anyway. Yeah. And if your GM, you know, put a lot of time into like a boss encounter or an NPC encounter, you know, don't don't shit all over their moment. They're proud of their writing. You know, go with it. Even if it's not something that you 100% enjoy or the way it was written, it's not something that you're super into. Think about your friend who put time into this for you and try and make the moment memorable as possible. You know, don't just, I'm (laughs) bored. And then you just kill the NPC that's giving you quest info. Like that's... You wouldn't do that in real life. No one does that. Not even dicks. Dicks don't even do that. Not even sociopaths don't do that. Yeah. So respect that your DM is putting time into the game for you and treat the world like something that you would respect. And don't be surprised when it happens. So like when the bad guy is giving his his speech, should I let him monologue or should I like shoot an arrow at him? Uh, I actually think that that depends on the the DM. (laughs) Typically when when a... npc for my games is narrating or it's like it's sort of like a mini cutscene. he's mm-hmm. monologuing you're listening you don't get to react till afterwards and then in which case you can say oh mid-speech i'm gonna do this thing but you still heard the speech so i'm okay with it okay yeah you know maybe uh i, I spent like 16 hours working on this description of a city i'll let you read it it's because that like paints the picture so when the dm's talking when another player is talking when the NPC is talking, wait until that moment, until after they finish, before you interrupt them right in the middle of their speech. That ties back into not talking over other players and waiting for your turn. And that goes for the jam too. 
which is actually more authoritative than a player. So if you're jam stalking and he's describing the world or the NPC narrative, don't talk. Let him finish. And then you can do your things. I mean, you're doing most of the, you're playing most of the game anyway. So you, you can wait 10 seconds for him to finish talking. When you're playing the game, namely you're playing for yourself, but there's also an audience as well, right? There's, there's the team effort altogether working towards creating this narrative of this group storytelling, uh, something that you can go back and remember for time upon end. How do you, how do you work together as a team and not only create something that you want and your character wants, but something that your party wants altogether? I think that in character, you may not necessarily start off with this mentality. So typically, if characters don't know each other, they're out for themselves. But you can roleplay that over time, your characters are working together. They become friends, they learn each other's motives, and you're killing things with each other. That's pretty, yeah. that usually builds a pretty strong bond. Uh, so then you can be like real people, supportive of each other's goals, lift each other up, teamwork, you know? If you're fighting a Hydra, good luck doing that by yourself. It's got like seven heads. So <laughs> work together. Think of a plan. And then the rest sort of just takes care of itself, honestly. You do enough things together and those things work. That's going to point you in the right direction of good teammate. Yeah, As a player, I mean, I'm always so... Oh, I just met this group of adventurers and, you know, the very first session that we all play together, I want to be friends with all of them because I've played in games where they've been antagonistic to each other and that kind of works, but overall it's like, why are we hanging out together if we all hate each other? So I always, like one of like the unspoken rules is like, don't split the party and don't hate the party. Like you're all working together. So getting that to work in a narrative standpoint can sometimes be challenging, but I think if you kind of talk with everyone in and out of character and say, like, I think, you know, maybe by a certain point, we trust each other to work together is a good goal. But, like, like how do you do that without forcing it? Well, honestly, um, I actually think that's a largely part of the DM's job. The DM's job when throwing people in who don't have connected backstories is to create a motive for everyone to connect through. So if everyone needs this x artifact they may they may all have different reasons to get the artifact but the artifact is there and they all need it that is the written job of the gm to create a motive for each of them that they can connect over they all need it so they all need to work together to get it and then where they go from there is up to them and then you know ultimately once that's settled they have rapport with each other so they can choose to role play that they want to keep going together but that is something that you would communicate with your GM as well, because you can't really create a motive out of thin air in a world that you haven't played in yet. That's up to them. Right. Money is usually the biggest thing. Like, no one <laughs> leaves their house one day and like, you know what? I'm gonna kill monsters for money. No sane person does that. There has to be like That's true. a very specific adventure archetype. <laughs> Adventurers have a ninety five percent fatality rate. Uh, adventurous moms have a 95% fatality. <laughs> All the tragic backstories I've created. That's true. All these burned down villages seeking revenge. <laughs> How many bandits can there be? <laughs> hey man, it's medieval fantasy. There are a shit ton of I bandits. Guess, yeah. They're just 
maybe bandits are just adventurers gone wrong. Maybe. Furiously take notes. Maybe you're the bandit the whole time. How <gasps> can our bandits be real if our it <laughs> our cities aren't real? <laughs> well, here's the thing about D and D: nothing's real, but everything is at the same time. Whoa. Whoa. Deep, huh? You know, being a good player is really not that hard, as long as you show you know drive and initiative. You know, write that backstory. Yeah. Be invested in your own character. Have fun with yourself and the other players. Want to be there. Yeah. The only thing that's really required is to want to have fun with everyone else. <laughs> that is it'll, sort of the all-encompassing right? thing. Everything else, yeah, like you said, falls into place. Okay. That's a that's a load off my plate then, because I, I really sometimes stress out about wanting to be a good player. I mean, this is something that we're all committing like four hours a week of our lives to go ahead and and create this this story together and i want to make sure everybody has fun i want to make sure we're all working together i want to make sure people keep showing up and that the group stays together in and out of character that everyone you know looks forward to that to D and they're like man i can't wait until next D and can't wait until we all get together again and and play it's so fun yeah and uh yeah well a gm's fun comes from a player's fun so as long as you guys are having fun everyone's having fun and everyone wins true and that's really what the game is about is having fun and also giving your players things to sweat over <laughs> oh god i love ending on on a cliffhanger especially when you have like two weeks of downtime or whatever oh man that is well speaking of cliffhangers uh next episode we're going to be talking about oh wait that's the bell i guess we'll call it all right you guys can leave uh make sure to do your homework turn it in the homework is to have fun. This has been the College of Lore. I am your co-host, Josh. And I'm Anthony. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye.